Yes, so I am, I'm excited, one, just because of what we got to do, but also because it is an all-in Sunday. So that means we have kids from elementary school to adults, right? And I'm super excited just to be able to preach to all of you. Um, And regardless of how old you are, right? Like I said, there's a number of different ages here, but regardless of how old you are, we are all fearful of something, right? Like if you take enough time to think about it, we're all fearful of something. For you, it could be heights, right? Like you could be really scared of heights. Could be, some of these I'm gonna say, you're gonna tense up. I'm gonna know the people that I'm talking about. Some of you, it's cockroaches. That's my wife right there, cockroaches. Some of you, it's spiders. Some of you, it's snakes. Uh, Some of you, it's flying. Uh, Some of you, it's the very thing I'm doing right now. It's public speaking, right? For some of you, uh, it's the fear that you're not gonna get out on time today to go to lunch. That's probably your biggest fear right now. Uh, I'm just kidding on that one. Maybe, maybe not. Um, But regardless of what your fear is, all of them on the surface look normal especially in the world we live in today, because like when I was preparing for this this week, uh, I did one Google search and there seems to be a phobia for anything and everything out there. If we look at fears, they look really normal on the surface. But if we take some time and dig below the surface and get to the root of that fear, we realize that there's more than meets the eye. And if you don't believe me, I'm gonna give you two personal examples this morning. Uh, One, when I was a kid, I'd like to think I've done better about this one. You can ask my wife, she's in the medical field. She'll probably tell you otherwise, but I like to think I do better with it, Uh, was needles and shots. How many of you are scared of needles and shots right now as a kid? Yeah. On the surface, super normal, right? But if we dig below the surface of that fear that I had, Past tense, right? Not anymore. Past tense. Don't have it anymore. But if we dig past it, there's much more than meets the eye. And the blame for that fear, I know he's watching right now, is my dad. So what's up, dad? Hope you're doing well from where you're watching. But it's my dad's fault. And there's nothing that can convince me otherwise as to why it is my dad's fault. Because I remember when I was little, I was eating breakfast and I remember my dad was about to go to work and I was eating breakfast and my dad comes up to me, I'm eating and he goes, hey, you, you ready? You ready for your doctor's appointment today? I'm like, yeah, I guess so. Like, does anybody get excited about that? Um, but he's like, you know who's gonna be there, right? And I'm like, no, like who's, who's gonna be there? And he goes, the ninja nurse. I'm like, what? <laughs> Who is that? And then for the next few minutes, my dad began to describe to me, I still can envision it in my head. I have trauma from this, so please pray for me this morning. But he described something that almost a hybrid of an NFL offensive lineman and a sumo wrestler. And that's the person that comes into the waiting room or comes into the doctor's room He said, he's gonna wipe your arm real nice. And they got this needle about this long and he's gonna gonna wipe it all off and get everything ready. And and they're gonna rear back and they're gonna go one, two, three. And I'm in tears, right? And from that point, I was scared of needles. That was a real fear. That's real trauma that I went through. But again, normal fear, dig below the surface, crazy reason why I have that fear, right? There's more than meets the eye. 
And a realer example, a deeper example, and I think this will resonate for, for a lot of us this morning, a deeper example for me is one that I'm going through in this stage of life, and it's the fear of failure, right? Again, a fear that on the surface looks normal, but if we begin to dig, there's much more than meets the eye. And the reason why I say that is because when I mean failure, yes, that's normal. It's normal to, hey, I'm gonna try and do this thing and I'm super afraid it's not gonna work out. Like it's normal to say, hey, I'm gonna take a step of faith and I might fall short, right? But when I say failure, what I mean is that my biggest fear in my life is that there's gonna come a point later on down the road, whether it's when I retire or maybe when I'm on my deathbed and I look back on the life that I've lived and I've succeeded and done all of these great things, but I've done them at the expense of things that truly mattered. That all the things that, that consist of my life, they had no eternal value. That all the things that I made the most important things were the wrong things because they were at the expense of my relationship with Jesus, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my family. That's what I mean when I say failure. Again, normal on the surface, but when we dig, there's much more than meets the eye. And you're probably thinking like, why out of all Sundays, graduation Sunday, are you talking about this? And the reason why is because I'm afraid that as I look around, I look at the world that we live in, my biggest fear for us, not just for myself, but for us is that this type of failure will be a reality in a lot of our lives when we get to that point where we begin to look back that a lot of our lives, we have schedules that yes, they're intended to be run by us, but the very opposite is happening because they are running us. That a lot of us this morning, if you're honest, we are on a never ending hamster wheel of trying to keep up with the people around us. That we're people that, man, anything that's offered to us, every single thing that's offered to us, we're saying yes to it to the point where we have no margin to be able to relax, to rest, or even just to take a breath. That a lot of us, that, that there's families out there that, that they're putting all their chips in on a sports season or a club season for there to be a point, I did the math, a 0.02% chance that your child's gonna be a professional athlete and a 100% chance that one day they will stand before the almighty creator God. That for a lot of us this morning, we are, we are putting our blood and our sweat and our tears into a job that if we die today, all they would do is probably send a flower, like flowers, cards to your family. And then probably the next week, your jobs, it's getting posted on a job site for someone to fill that position that you had. And for a lot of us this morning, man, we need to press pause and we need to really assess where we are to make sure that we are making the most important things, the most important things. And so for us this morning, I just wanna take a few minutes. There's three questions that we're gonna go through straight from scripture. And even though they were not in originally intended for us, I do truly believe that this morning and beyond in our lives, these are questions that we need to ask on a regular basis to truly assess where we are and where we're headed. And so the first question that I want us to look at and ask and answer this morning is where am I in life? Where am I in life? And I know because some of you are like me, some of you had this thought, 
well, I'm in church, duh. Any more brain busters, right? Like that's how you were. But, but if we look at the original context, this question that God is asking Adam, this is not a question of location. It is a question of position because when we see this question asked by God in Genesis 3, he is not asking where his body is located. What God is asking, he's asking, where is your heart planted and rooted? And you have to remember that this is right after Adam and Eve sinned against God by eating the forbidden fruit and their eyes were open to their nakedness. And so they covered themselves and they hid from God due to their shame. And so what, what we see God respond to is with this question in Genesis 3, 9, verse, or Genesis 3, 9 and 10. Look what he says. It says, so the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And so what we see is God asked this question because he wants to know the condition of Adam's heart and he wants him to put it all on full display. And for us this morning, we need to ask ourselves the same question to see where we are right now. Because notice, I didn't say, I said where we truly are. I didn't say where we want people to think that we are. I didn't say where we want to be. We need to truly assess, man, the good, the bad, the ugly, where are we right now? Because just like Adam, sin causes us to hide what's truly going on. Even more than that, Adam thinks that by covering himself with some fig leaves, hiding behind a bush, that was gonna help him survive in his relationship with Jesus. He even thought too, man, I'm gonna shift the blame onto my wife. Man, that woman that you gave me, he blamed it on her. And he thought, man, yeah, I'll be able to survive too. And so often we're tempted to do the exact same thing. That so often we, we want to hide, we want to shift the blame just so we can survive. That if a lot of us were honest, what we're projecting out here is drastically different than what's going on in here. And so we have to be real about where we are so that we can make the proper steps to move forward well. Let's look at three ways we can assess where we truly are quickly. The first is this, we need to look inside. Look inside by taking a look inwardly. It helps us to get past the surface level and to deep, deep dig into the roots of our heart. So what does this look like? It's asking questions like this. What consumes my thoughts the most? What are the motives for the things that I do? Not just the things that you do, but what are your motives behind it? What, what makes you the most anxious? What brings you the most joy? What brings, you, what brings you the most anger? If you are honest, are there things that you're hiding from other people? We have to look inwardly to be able to assess where we truly are and questions like that really help. The second, we have to look around. So not only are we looking inwardly inside, but we're looking outwardly at the health of the relationships that we have. So how's your relationship with your spouse? How's your relationship with your family? How's your relationship with close friends? If you're in one, how's your relationship in, a, in the home group that you're in? Or if you're not in a home group, but you have relationships with other believers, how are your relationships with other believers, with your coworkers? This is so important to look around because as we constantly say here at Cedar Creek Church, we say that we are better together, that we're not meant to do life alone. So we have to assess the health of our most important relationships and get the proper help that we need to get them in the right place. But not only that, we need to look ahead. 
We need to look inside and we need to look outside, but we need to look ahead. I think this goes back to the fear of failure that I've already mentioned because so often, maybe there's something wrong with me. I don't know. But, but constantly I'm thinking about there's gonna come a day, which I'm sorry to be a Debbie Downer even more. There's gonna come a day where I'm gonna have a funeral and we're all gonna have funerals, right? Let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, but I constantly think, man, and this, this is what looking ahead does is, man, I constantly think, man, what are people gonna say about me? Like, what do I want people to say about me, right? Like, what are they gonna say I made the most important things? How, like, how did I make people feel? Because there's gonna come a time where each of us have that. There's gonna come people, they're gonna talk about you, right? So like, what, what is that? And so for us, it allows us, yes, to look where we are, but also to look ahead and say, man, what kind of future do I want? And then make the proper steps to be able to move forward and make it a reality for yourself. So the first question we have to ask is where am I in life? The second question, and I think the two are connected, is who do I say Jesus is? That the answer we give for the first question, so the answer we give for, hey, where am I in life? It's going to shine some light on the answer to the second question of who we say Jesus is. And this is because who we believe Jesus to be should have an impact on the way that we live our lives. That, that for us, whether you're a Christian or not this morning, the life that we live and the things that we make most important is preaching a sermon to who we truly believe Jesus is. And if you don't believe me, this is true now and this was true in Jesus's time. Look at what it says in Mark 8, verses 27 through 30. It says that Jesus went out with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? They answered him, John the Baptist, others, Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered them, answered him, you are the Messiah. And he strictly warned them to tell no one about him. And so Jesus asked this directed question at the disciples. He says, hey, who do people say that I am? And they give the answers. There's a number of different answers that they give. And even if I asked you that this morning, there's a number of different answers that if we ask the world today, man, who do you say that Jesus is? There is a huge number of responses that we would get. Some people would say, man, he's a great teacher. Other people would say, man, he's a good person. He's a historical figure. Some would even say, man, I don't even think he existed. And so there's a number of different answers we would get, but I wanna do the same thing Jesus asked and, 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 and point it inwardly on ourselves and ask, man, who do we say that Jesus is? To the deepest depths of our soul, who do we believe that Jesus is? Maybe a better question to ask, in light of all the different responses that the world gives and in light of what the truth of scripture says about who Jesus is, who should we believe Jesus to be? And I think two foundational truths about Jesus are this, you can, you can write them, is that Jesus is savior because he alone leads to eternal life. Jesus is savior because he alone leads to eternal life. To say Jesus is savior means that we're in need of saving. And some of you this morning, man, you're like, man, I got it, I'm good. Like, I don't, I don't need saving, right? Like, what, what are you talking about? What do I need to be saved from and, and we've been reminded of this this week, but if we look around at the world around us, we can, we can quickly see how broken it truly is. There's so much pain, 
There's so much heartache. There's emptiness. There's conflict. Honestly, if you just want to go ahead and say it, there's just overall chaos in our world today. And this was not God's original design for us. As we've already talked about, when he created the universe, he created it perfectly. It was without pain. It was without conflict. It was without emptiness. Humanity had everything that they could possibly ever want or need because they had a perfect relationship with God. They had the fullness of life, the fullness of love, the fullness of peace, the fullness of joy, meaning, and goodness. They had that all. But what we see is they believe that they could find those things apart from God. And because of that, that led to the brokenness that we see today because that relationship with God was broken. And for a lot of us, we still long in our lives, we still long to be loved. We still long to experience peace. We still long to be accepted and known and to have joy. And so what sin causes us to do is it causes us to run to things that aren't of God and to run to everything but God for the very thing that only he can satisfy us with. But instead of leaving us in that brokenness, Jesus came to take on the death and punishment on a cross. He died three days later, rose from the grave, defeating sin and death once and for all so that we can have the fullness of life that each and every one of us were created to do because the desires of our heart are filled in the way in him like they were supposed to. And this is great news this morning, especially in light of everything that's going on. This is the greatest news that we could possibly ever have but it's just one side of the news because this isn't all that Jesus is because not only is he savior, but Jesus is Lord because he alone deserves our entire life. That not only is Jesus savior, but he's Lord because he alone deserves our entire life. And I gotta be honest, this is where the rubber meets the road. Like this is where in our relationship with Jesus, this is where it gets difficult because let's be honest, it's really easy to accept all Jesus gives to us. Like that's really easy to do, right? Like, oh, thanks, appreciate it. I'm out, right? Like it's really easy to do that. But it's another thing to not only take all that he gives us, but to give all that we are to him. If you don't believe me, ask Peter because maybe it's just me, I don't know. But anybody out there, like you do like a couple of good things in a row and then you do just one like, what were you thinking, dude? Like, what's wrong with you? Just boneheaded and it counteracts all the good things that you do. Anybody? Is that just my life story? Yeah, there's some, there's some, I see those hands. I see those hands. Um, But this is Peter. This is a good description of me, but this is the description of we see of Peter in pretty much the, throughout the gospels because in this passage we just looked at out of Mark 8, like Jesus asked the question, hey, who do you say I am? Peter gives the right answer and we're like, hey, good job, Peter, gold star, A plus, you did a great job. But if we dig deeper, we see that Peter's thought of what it looked like for Jesus to be the Messiah and who Jesus truly was as the Messiah were drastically different because Peter and a lot of the Jews at that time, they, when they thought of the Messiah, they thought of somebody who was going to bring them out of the political oppression that they were under in that time. And they, he was gonna bring them out of that to a place of prominence and power. And so this is, yes, man, Peter gives the right answer. And we see after Peter gives the right answer, Jesus in the next passage, he begins to describe like, hey guys, like, I'm gonna go to Jerusalem, I'm gonna get arrested, I'm gonna die, but I'll be back, I promise. You you can hold me to that, right? Like that's what he says. And so Peter's listening, he's like, that, 
That doesn't sound right. So he pulls Jesus to the side. He's like, hey, yo, Jesus, like, I love you, dude. Like, you know that you're my boy. I love following you. Um, but all this death stuff, like, what's, what's that about, right? Like, you need to stop doing that. And we see Jesus' response. He says, man, get behind me, Satan, for you are focused on the things of man and not the things of of God. And then Jesus begins to teach the, the famous passage where if we're going to come follow him, we have to deny ourselves and die to ourselves. And the same is true for us today. Man, in love, like I just mentioned, Jesus gave all of himself for us. But he also expects us to give all that we are to him. If we're gonna be in a relationship with Jesus, it cannot be a one-sided relationship where he gives and all we do is take. We can't have a one-sided view where, man, we enjoy him as savior and we get that, man, I got that get out of hell free card and that's all I'm doing. No, it, it is a life of sacrifice where he demands our entire life. That the way a, a relationship with Jesus is supposed to work, it's supposed to be two-sided in that way, that he deserves everything, man. He freely, man, we freely accept the gift of salvation that he gives us, but man, we freely give all that we are in return because he demands our entire life. Our thoughts, our desires, our relationships, our status, our possessions, our entire life. He deserves it. Oh, Jesus even says in this passage that whoever would save their life will ultimately lose it. But whoever loses their life for his sake will say it. He demands it all. And there's a story about, about 150 years ago, there was a mass revival in Wales. And as a result of this, man, people were called um, to go all over the world and share the love of Jesus. And there was a group of missionaries that went to uh, Northeast India to this region by the name of Assam that comprised pretty much of it. It comprised of hundreds and hundreds of headhunters. So man, ideal spot that you wanna go, right? Um, not really, but a group of, of missionaries, they came to that community and they began to share the love of Jesus. And there was one missionary, he succeeded in converting a man, his wife and his two kids. And this man's faith was so contagious. It said that man, he was winning people left and right to Jesus. And obviously so the village chief heard about this and he was upset. It says that he got really angry. And there's an excerpt in a book that I was reading, there's an expert describing what took place next. It says this, it says, the chief called the family to the center of the village to renounce their faith publicly, or they would face execution. Moved by the Holy Spirit, the man said this, he said, I have decided to follow Jesus. Enraged at the refusal of the man, the chief ordered his archers to arrow down his two children. And as both boys laid twitching on the floor, the chief asked, will you deny your faith? You have lost both your children. You will lose your wife too. But the man replied, though none, no one joins me, still I will follow. And obviously the chief was beside himself. He was, he was angry and he ordered for the man's wife to be arrowed down too. And in a moment, she joined her two children in death. And now he asked, the chief asked for the last time, man, I will give you one opportunity to deny your faith and you will live. And in the face of death, the man said the final memorable lines. He said that the cross is before me and the world is behind me. No turning back. 
And it said right then and there, he was shot dead like the rest of his family. But with their deaths, a miracle took place. The chief who had ordered the killings was moved by the faith of the man. And he wondered, man, why should this man, his wife and two children die for a man who lived in a faraway land on another continent 2000 years ago? There must be some remarkable power behind the family's faith. And I too want to taste that faith. In a spontaneous confession of faith, he declared to I, this is, the, this is the chief, I too belong to Jesus. And when the crowd heard this from the mouth of their chief, the whole village accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. So in that story, that's where we get the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. But it's also a reminder that yes, Jesus is Savior and he gives all that he is to us. He, he alone leads us to eternal life, but he is also Lord because he demands for us to give all that we are. He demands our entire lives. And, and for you, honestly, this morning, if you say that you live for Jesus, is this the Jesus that you live for? Or like Peter, have you made a version of Jesus for yourself that makes your life the most comfortable and most easy that it can be? Because my prayer for us this morning, for each and every one of us, is that we would know Jesus in this way that his word describes him. man. In light of this reality, that we would know him as both savior and Lord. And by looking at him as Lord, as someone who demands our entire life, it leads us to our last question this morning that we need to ask and answer for ourselves is that what am I holding back from him? What am I holding back from Jesus this morning? For him, not just to be savior of my life, but to be Lord of my life. Because if Jesus demands all of you, are there things that we're holding on to and keeping from him? If we look later on in the gospels, um, we, we see Jesus approach his time. He's getting close to his time where he's gonna be arrested. He's gonna be beat, beaten. Uh, he, he's gonna be crucified. And in John 13, he's explaining all of this to his disciples. He, he's, he's describing it, man, word for word, what's gonna happen. And again, we have an example of old Peter uh, who does the right thing, but then in the end, he counteracts it with something bad because Jesus, Jesus is describing this and in light of this news from Jesus, Peter's like, hey man, I'm, I'm following you to the point of death. Like I'm gonna lay my life down for you. I don't care what it takes. I'm gonna lay my life down for you. And, and some of us would think Jesus would be like, kudos dude, I'll take it, right? But that's not what we see. We see Jesus say this. Jesus replied, will you lay down your life for me? Truly I tell you, a rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. It's pretty harsh. But in the end, Jesus was right. Because even though, man, Peter gave the right answer at the right time and the way that he was supposed to, man, when the rubber meet, met the road, when it got into the heat of the moment, man, he did exactly what Jesus said he would do. And it was because, man, he held on to his well-being, his very life, and he held on to what people thought about him as more precious than Jesus. And for a lot of us this morning, the same could be said for us, that there are things that, man, we are holding on to things in our lives as tight as humanly possible. That, man, we have such a tight grip and we're trying our hardest to keep it off limits from Jesus. And I'd like to ask you, man, what are those things for you? What are those things for you that you're gripping onto? And man, if I ask you, man, are you willing to give those away? 
Are you willing to surrender those to the one who's given all of us, all of him and demands all of us? For some of us this morning, there are things as I've been talking this morning, as I've been, I've, I've been up here speaking, there's things, man, you're gripping onto them and you know without a shadow of a doubt, you, need, you just need to let go of them. Like they don't need to be a part of your life anymore. Maybe for you, it's a secret sin that no one knows about. Maybe for you, it's a secret addiction that no one knows about. Maybe for you, it's a toxic relationship. We just got done talking about toxic relationships. Maybe for you, that's it. Maybe it's something that in your past, something someone has done to you. Or maybe in your past, maybe it's something that you have done to someone else. Regardless of what it is, I wanna tell you this this morning. And I believe this 100% for you and for me is that Jesus is better. That the love or the forgiveness or the peace or the satisfaction that you are seeking after by holding on to that thing, whatever it is, that it pales in comparison to what Jesus can offer you this morning. And I want to encourage you, surrender it to him today because he's better and he deserves it. Maybe for some of us this morning, if, if we're honest, man, the things that we're white knuckling, the things that we're holding on to as tight as humanly possible, they're really good things, right? It's our marriage, it's our family, it's our friends, it's our job, it's our possessions. Maybe it's things that we're talented at. Man, we're gripping on to those things and not necessarily you need to let go of them, but just instead you need to hold them with open hands. Holding those things and those people with open hands and basically saying, Jesus, you can have it. You can do whatever means necessary through those things and through those relationships to make me more like you and to help others know you through my life. That even this, man, you're holding it with open hands. And, and this, is, this is hard, I wrestle with this this week. Is that am I willing to hold things with my open hands and say, Jesus, even if you took all of these things away from me, I would still follow you. And for a lot of us this morning, we need to hold our lives and the things that consist of it with open hands. And I wanna ask you, are you willing to let go of those things for the sake of Jesus? And even deeper than that, what is holding you back from giving everything to Jesus? Because I'll be honest, he is greater than anything. And I mean anything that we can have a grip on in our lives. That the love that we experience from him, man, his love is far greater than any mistake that may be keeping you from coming to him this morning or anything that, that someone says about you. His love is far greater than those things. That the joy that we experience, the fullness of joy that we experience in him is far greater than the momentary joy that anything can offer in our lives. And so we need to remember this morning that none of us are too far gone to experience all that he has to offer you. That this morning, regardless of where you are, that you still have time, that my fear of failure and maybe your fear of failure too, that you still have time to make the most important things and I still have time to make the most important things the most important things. And so for you this morning, my, my prayer, as I prepared this week, as I prepared this morning, my, my prayer is simply this for us, myself included. My prayer for us is that we would be real with where we are. That we would, we would take an honest look at our lives and really assess 
where we are, but not just that, but, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, he would fix our eyes on Jesus. The one who not only is the, is the savior who alone leads to eternal life, but he is the Lord that deserves our entire life. And in light of those two things, our response would be nothing more and nothing less. The same as the man that I told in that story, that our response with hands lifted high and open to him, that we would say, I have decided to follow Jesus. And though none go with me, I still will follow because the cross is before me and the world is behind me. No turning back, no turning back. God, we pray this morning for you to meet us where we are. God, because whether we realize it or not, there's a lot going on right now that, that we may not notice. The first is this, we are not here by accident. That we're sitting in the chairs or we're, we're tuning in online in the way that we are because you have a plan for us. And God, right now I know because you are a God who is bigger than anything I can ever imagine. That you are meeting us where we are in the midst of what we're going through. And so God, this morning, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would allow us to be real with where we are. God, that we would look inside and really ask the hard questions that maybe we've been putting off for a really long time because we know how dirty it might be. But God, not only that, Lord, I pray that we would see you for who you truly are. God, this morning, the greatest news that we can have is that we have a savior and a Lord. We have a savior who alone leads to eternal life, the fullness of love, of life, of joy, of peace, of purpose. We have that in you and you give all that you are to us. And God, this morning, I pray that you would open our eyes to see that, but not only that, God, that you would open our hearts to be able to give you all that we are so that we may live lives where we make the most important things, the most important things. And you are the most important thing. God, we love you. We pray all of us in your name, amen.